This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Welcome to another episode of the EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, we're discussing engaging English learners in hybrid and distance learning environments. And so that's why I'm so pleased to have Jamie Herbst, a longtime ESL and Spanish teacher and professional development manager at iStation. She's going to join me to discuss strategies for helping English language learners stay engaged and motivated during COVID-19 and beyond. Jamie, welcome. Thank you for having me today, Shelby. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, so let's start off with uh, a little bit about your background. So, I mean, you've been with iStation for 10 years now, uh, working in bilingual strategic professional development, uh, both as a a specialist and a lead. But before that, you taught ESL, Spanish, and PE to grades uh, K through 12 in several places, Costa Rica, Honduras, and the United States. So tell me a little bit about that and how did you find your way to teaching? Absolutely. So I started my teaching career teaching abroad. I thought I would continue that for a while. And then I ended up coming back into the United States. So I feel I have, um, and that's why I have taught a wide range of grade levels also. (laughs) Um, When I was in Honduras, for example, I taught um, different students ranging from that kindergarten to 11th grade level in English language, Spanish as a native and other language, and also a little, I dabbled a little in PE. So I worked with different populations there, be it um, local students or international students who were there due to their family's careers, for example. And then I moved to Texas, where I taught ESL or English language learners to high school students, which was a fun change. And then in the summers, I would teach um, English learners at the middle school level. So I've really, I've honed in and I love the high school environment, but I also love going and working with some of those middle school students too, just because, you know, they're at different levels of maturity Mm -hmm. and they all have different positives and strengths that, you know, depend, depending on their grade level and their language level. Um, it's fun to work with such a variety of students. That has been, that has been quite the variety. And uh, I'm sure um, each each one of those things had kind of its unique challenges in and of itself. Uh, it kind of seems like right now, you know, we're a little bit all in the same boat, teachers, students, parents, you know, we're all facing these hurdles as a result of COVID-19 and, and um, seeing studies where, you know, um, forms of standardized testing, you know, it's beginning to reveal the effects of, of COVID-19 stress um, and students' ability to learn. So what are you hearing from school districts um, about these effects on student comprehension? And, and I guess, what are some of the concerns that you're hearing? Oh my gosh, a lot of concerns, a lot of um, stress, as you were saying. And I think just going into any conversation on this is giving yourself some kindness. And as we've heard grace this year, um, looking for the opportunities also. Yes, we're having to 
almost be in triage at times trying to change and pivot right. so quickly. But after the fact, giving yourself some time to reflect and see, okay, what worked? And I think what is so exciting on a positive note of all of that is what's working and what surprised me that, wow, I could incorporate that in my virtual remote world, my hybrid world, and potentially back in the actual classroom. So looking for those little nuggets that really will up your game when hopefully the new normal comes, right? Yeah. <laughs> the next normal. <laughs> I think exactly. all this change is really exciting in that way. However, I really think it comes down, my personal opinion, and I, I hear it when working with different schools too, is, you know, we're, we were always concerned about how do we best communicate with families? How do we make sure we're communicating properly with the students, even face-to-face -face in my classroom? And the teachers and the schools that are now faced with that virtual, um, looking for technology equity, looking to make sure we're reaching all of those students still. How are we, we, how are we really communicating now that we have all these extra challenges <laughs> in communication? And if we're not communicating with the families and making sure we're setting up our students clearly for success and just the logistics of what to do and setting up a schedule, um, it's really a detriment to them. And I know, I know a lot of teachers are also having challenges even getting a hold of some of the families. So there's all within just thinking about how can I really clearly communicate just the logistics of how our class is going to run this week or today? Um, and, and how do I set that student up for success? But even, you know, how do I reach those, those families that I haven't been able to connect with have been some of the major challenges for for teachers too. Right, right. Well, it, you know, keeping the students engaged in remote settings, um, you know, that's that's already been challenging. And, and like you said, you know, being able to keep parents engaged really and, and being able to get a hold of them and, and get some of that feedback or, you know, even just kind of weigh in on, on some things that are affecting their students. You know, that is certainly a challenge. Um, when we talk about English language learners, though, and the challenges that that they're facing, are there some concerns that are specific to non-native speakers and their families regarding distance learning? Um, yes, um, and it falls into line with communication also, right? Making sure that we're able to get that information to families in the correct language, that everyone is clear, really setting up some time and the research has shown through the years that let the students communicate at times in their native language with another student in the class if mm -hmm. if that's available <laughs> you know if they can just discuss um, a complex issue that you're working on in the classroom together in their native language and then maybe share out in English or even if they're writing a descriptive word about what they feel about that that yeah. that piece or if they can write a, a sentence or a paragraph and then maybe share that online while they're in that virtual classroom, for example. Those are some ways that not only the student can show their identity, but build some confidence with their ability and also bonding and having that social interaction with their fellow students in the classroom. You make a good point about a student being able to express themselves, you know, if if they're already um, having a challenge of being able to 
to fully understand the English speaking classes and they're feeling lost or they're feeling alone or they're feeling confused any of those um any of those emotions i don't know if i'm i'm describing it right but i i almost feel like a tool a major tool for being able to express themselves and get support is automatically hampered when you're you know you have limited english proficiency right Right, exactly. And so our our team, when working with professional development sessions with our customers, we've tried to work in social emotional pieces that can be really quick, different polls or using the chats. Those are some obvious pieces, but maybe they're using something like a jam board and we can all collaborate together or definitely lots of, you know, action and enthusiasm and different visual props or even shared documents that people can use, or even something as simple as a thumbs up, thumbs down, some kind of in the middle, or, you know, yeah, hold up the different, I have a smiley face or a sad face, you know, just different pieces that you can use in the physical classroom, but are very necessary in the virtual classroom as well. Right. Another thing that also occurs to me that I think is unique in this COVID environment especially for new students that are coming in, uh, you know, imagine that they're not able to communicate very clearly with their with their classmates and their teachers. Uh, and if they're brand new to a school, they're already feeling a little bit on the outside. And so I guess being able to use technology to help students uh, fit in and communicate with each other um, that's that's certainly got to be a consideration when you're thinking about the the role that education technology can can play in such a time right now, right? Absolutely, and I think at iStation we really have a strong initiative to go. We're going through and saying, okay, what social emotional pieces do we have in play already in our materials, and where can we make that better? Where 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 can we find some areas for growth? Because that is something that's so important right now. But even when we go back into the regular classroom. Exactly. I do have a, I have a friend who teaches middle school science. And she told me that, you know, they started, I think the first couple of weeks virtual, and then they were in the actual classroom, I'd say half of their students. And what <laughs> then they went virtual again. She didn't even know because they were wearing masks what some of her students actually looked like right. until they went virtual and had, and she saw their faces. <laughs> I mean, so the teachers are going through this too. It's not just the students. The, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's just a crazy thought when she told me that. Wow. And you think about the kids that don't probably know what their classmates really look like unless they went yes. to school with them for years and years before. <laughs> you, there's only so much you can see past a mask and especially if it's on a little thumbnail of a, of a screen um, online, even worse. It's, that's, I guess, something that uh, it's one of those complications that you don't think about as, you know, <laughs> of all of the bag of tricks that, that we're trying to, to solve all at once. Right. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what my student looks like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, though, I was watching my niece who's in kindergarten, very energetic, she was doing virtual learning that day and she logged in. I got to watch and um, some of her classmates were in the actual classroom. And I was so amazed at how 
one, how engaged she was, even though she's very social and was excited to see her teacher and her fellow students, but how amazing of a job the teacher did. And I could hear her talking to the class. And then I could see her, I could hear her check in with my niece every once in a while and say, Hey, Adam, what do you think? And yeah. she just did such an amazing job of going back and forth. I was so impressed. And of course, being out of the classroom for 10 years now and working with teachers and not as much the students, it was for me, it was just such a fun moment to get to experience that. Yeah. There are, they, the teachers are doing feats of, of strength and miracles, basically, to to be able to reach uh, and teach two different classes at once, basically, the at-home learners and the face-to-face learners. That's right. That's right. Well, so, uh, you know, when we start to talk about, again, education technology, it's an industry. Uh, you know, what are, what are some ways that ed tech is providing solutions to these challenges. Well, we've talked a little bit about some of the initiatives that iStation has has already put in place, but uh, you know, what's I guess what is what are some of the wins basically that that you can count for for iStation in terms of making uh, this time in distance learning easier on the students, uh, easier on the teachers, and overall helping improve not only ESL classrooms, but, you know, all classrooms? Um, Definitely, you know, there's so much to talk about. (laughs) Let's see if we can get through most of it. But I think making sure, you know, that you have an assessment tool and you have thought through what assessment looks like in your hybrid, your virtual, or your physical campus for your students, because definitely you want to have valid data of where is that child? Where is each individual student in your classroom? And how can we look for their strengths? And how can we look for those areas um, of growth for the students? So that's one piece. And I think, you know, with iStation, we have an automatic monthly progress monitoring tool. And we've really had to work with schools to think through, you know, what is your situation now for where your students are attending class? Um, how do you want them assessing? Do you want them assessing at home? And how are you going to communicate to the family that not to help them and give them answers to this? Because we need that valid data in order to help support your child, right? Um, So all of those types of pieces and looking at, do we want them to assess at home? Do we want them to wait until they're in the classroom? What does that look like? And how can we lay that out? And iStation has really done a beautiful job of being flexible and working with with schools and districts to really help them be flexible and help them get the information that they need to help support their students. Yeah. Well, so circling back to how we started, especially talking about uh, keeping students, ESL students, engaged and and motivated during this time. Um, you know, for teachers that are looking for ways to keep their students engaged, uh, what are some some tangible strategies that you can give uh, and suggestions that you can give to help ESL teachers overcome some of these hurdles? Absolutely. So I think it all comes down to one of one of those roots of working with English learners that, as we know, best practices for English learners are our best practices for all students. But um, what I really love about working with English learners is that you always should keep in mind 
that you're incorporating reading, speaking, listening, and writing at all times with them. Well, not at the same time necessarily, but every day that you're working with them, you should make sure, did my lesson or what we're talking about fit around that? And I think for me, that helps me organize, okay, here's the standard I need to teach. How do I need to scaffold that? But also, how am I incorporating that reading, speaking, listening, and writing approach in? And you can almost make it game-like too, right? So if you're working on writing, which a lot of students have just, they get overwhelmed by the whole idea of it if you don't scaffold it or break it down to smaller chunks that they're ready for. So in the classroom, I used to do this all the time. It was one of my favorite things we would write a story together, for example, and I would encourage them to be as crazy as possible. Think of, you know, these wild words, which yeah. helps to helps them all to learn the vocabulary too, right? And increase their vocabulary skills. But let's do it together and laugh through it. And it, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to make sense, right? It can just be funny. And then let's either write our own story and maybe they'll use the first sentence and the last sentence of the paragraph we wrote together on the board. And then they can fill in some things in between. And maybe that's too much for some students. Maybe they need to work in pairs or, or in small groups and, the, and you can scaffold it that way. But that's something that I think really transitions over to the virtual world too. You can use, you know, the virtual world also enables you to have some of these visuals that you can screen share or that you don't necessarily have to print out and laminate sure. and, you know, <laughs> create all these materials, you can have them on the screen. But activities like that, where you're really thinking, okay, what is my standard? Where are my students at? And how am I incorporating the vocabulary, of course, but also that reading, writing, speaking, and listening, all of those components into your daily life is a nice foundation to start with, in my opinion. Definitely. Well, and you mentioned the gamification. That's, uh, you know, whether it's a, you know, a formal gamified system or if it's uh, just a, a way to make things fun and make it a little bit, you know, with some, some um, you know, with some points or some scoring or just some way to, to kind of drive home uh, that this is a fun activity. That's certainly going to help just a student's interest level. I mean, just, just natural interest level in, in the task at hand. That's right. And I think with the remote and virtual learning, you're able to, you know, best practices, we're chunking this information, we're doing some micro learning, which we can incorporate in the physical classroom also. But it, it is also a way to reach the different learning styles of, of your students, right? So we're playing a game, maybe at this point, and next, we're going to do some writing. And then next, we're maybe we're drawing a picture and describing it in words, we're speaking with our with our students. So I think it also gives you the opportunity. It's a lot of planning. Don't get me yeah, wrong. It's a lot yeah. of work, but um, it, it gives teachers the opportunity to, to discover some new micro learning pieces out of necessity, really, but also out of how is this going to function? And how are my students and I going to get the most out of our day on this in this virtual world with limited screen time at times? Definitely, definitely. Well, Jamie, I really do appreciate the tips and the insight uh, for helping English learners uh, stay engaged and and motivated during uh, during this this crazy time. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And that does it for this episode of the EdTech Podcast. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhawk.